we're just going to get into the word. I, I want to talk to you. Last week, we talked about being reconciled to God, and, and it was a puzzling thing to me that in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20, the Lord was talking, the, the, the apostle was talking to believers, and he said, listen, believers, I am pleading with you. We're ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us, he says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 20, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you, believers, on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. And it is puzzling to me that God would speak to the hearts of people who are in pursuit of him, who love him, that at seasons when life comes along and it distracts us and it pulls us aside and we get our attention here and we get our attention there, that the Holy Spirit would shake us a little bit and say, no, 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 be reconciled to God. It's interesting to me that, that the Holy Spirit would say that to believers, to followers of God. There is a place in our life as believers for us to be reconciled to God in, in greater measure, in, in a greater way than ever before. So I want to talk to you this morning about practical steps that we can take to be reconciled to God. I just want to, to be pastoral in your life for a few minutes. Go ahead. I, I just want you to have practical steps. So I want to read to you uh, from Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. And the first thing that I want to talk to you about is I want to challenge you to agree with God. Ephesians chapter 1 and, and verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And you, when you read scripture, you have to listen to the tense uh, of the word, has blessed us. This is past tense, that, that he from the foundations of the world blessed us, that he purposed to bless us. So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world. That we should be whole and without blame before him in love, having predetermined or predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according, listen to this word, according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Go on. I want to challenge you this morning that you agree with God. The enemy comes too many times, and, and not just the enemy. You know what? Let's not blame it all on the devil. It's just your brain and my brain moving in unbelief. Not agreeing with what God has said. But God chose you in him before the foundations of the world. He chose you before you were ever in the earth. He chose you. He knew you and he chose you. He said to, in, to Jeremiah in chapter 1 and verse 5, he said, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. 
before that seed ever planted in the womb, I knew you. So there is this reality that God actually knew you and purposed you, that you had some kind of previous relationship with God, or he had a previous relationship with you before he sent you into the earth. He said, I knew you. I chose you. I don't care how you got here. You may have gotten into the earth in the most ingracious way possible. But God looked at you and he said, I want you there in this season of time, in this time in history, in this place, in this point. I want you, I chose you for this moment. I'm talking to a room full of people that are here because God chose you for this moment in time and in history. And you can sit there and you can say, but pastor, you don't understand. My life is a complete mess. God chose you for now. So he says that he chose you in him before the foundations of the world. And I just want you to say to the Lord right now, I agree with you that you chose me. I may have made a big old mess. I may have made mistakes. I may have done uh, foolish things. I may have made poor decisions that produced uh, uh, undesirable fruit in my life. But you chose me. And then he says, he called you holy and blameless. Oh, how many of y'all can just make a list of all the things wherein you could be found to carry the blame? And he said, you're blameless. He called you holy and without blame in him. Colossians 1.22 says this, through his death in the flesh, he redeemed you so that he can present you to God holy and blameless. And then you, you want to argue, I want to argue, listen, this is the human condition. We want to argue with God about our failures and about our weakness and about our inability and about our lack of, uh, of uh, wisdom and understanding and the poor choices we've made. And, and uh, today is the fruit of yesterday's poor decisions. And here we are in our moments of struggle. And then the word uh, rises up in us and God says, I called you holy and I said that you are without blame. Are you going to agree with God or are you going to agree with your circumstances? Are you going to agree with God or are you going to agree with what someone has said about you? Are you going to agree with God or are you going to agree with the thoughts that are blowing through your mind? I'm going to challenge you that reconciliation with God requires that you agree with him. It's a requirement that you agree with him. First Peter Chapter 2 and verse 9 is a wonderful passage. You should go there and read it it's in, in its entirety. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You know what? The Lord said, was it to Peter when 
was calling Peter to go preach to the Gentiles. And Peter had been hanging out with the Jews when, when Jesus had said, I want you to go into all the world. And, and Peter's, all the world to Peter, his world was really small. And one day Jesus kind of comes to him and, and, and shows him a, 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 in a vision, all of this unclean stuff. And he said, Peter, I want you to kill and eat. I want you to just partake of this. And Peter said, never. And you know what he said? Do not call unclean or unholy what I have purified. Go eat the ham. Jesus is saying to you today, the Holy Spirit is saying to you today, do not call yourself unholy when I have called you holy. Do not determine that you are unclean when I have called you clean. Do not determine that you are unrighteous when I have made you righteous. Do not determine that you are undeserving when you are deserving because of me. Agree with God. So he said in that passage we just read, predetermined you to adoption as sons. John 1, 12 says he gave us the power to become. He empowered us to become the sons of God in the earth. He empowered us to become the sons of God. That's not for later. That's not for in the sweet by and by. That is right now. He empowered you right now that the kingdom of God would flow through your life and that you would be a vessel through which he could flow and pour out into the earth the good things of God, the testimony of his grace. He determined you, predetermined when he sent you here. You're going to be born in sin and shaped in iniquity, but I'm going to adopt you as sons. That's what the word says. We were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. And every one of us, you can, you can pick yourself apart in your, in, in your soul, in your mind, in your will, in your emotions, in your intellect. You can find all kinds of reasons that you see the iniquity of, of life and the iniquity of, that, that you were born in and that, that was put upon you and that was poured into you by others and that was shaped in your life we, we, before you had any control over it, that there was an iniquity that was born in you and that was shaped in you. And so you can sit and you can take the rest of your days and you can pick yourself apart over that iniquity or you can say that though I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity, he has chosen me and predetermined that I would be adopted as a child of God. You decide. Are you going to agree with God? I feel such an anointing over this right now since some of you are coming to freedom, hearing these words. So at the end of that passage, he said, he made you accepted in the beloved. The day, the moment that you said yes to Jesus, you became accepted. Hallelujah. See, you became accepted. Just start dancing. It's so happy right now. He made you accepted in the, in the beloved. 1 Corinthians 1 and 30 in the New Living Translation said, Christ 
made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. How many times, listen, how many times I have talked myself out of believing that and the price that has been paid because we talk ourselves out of believing what God has said. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. So I want to challenge you this morning. You can take those passages and other passages of Scripture that the Holy Spirit brings to your mind or that you dig out of the Word, and you can, you can decide today, I'm going to agree with God. So, if I'm agreeing with God that he predetermined uh, that he would adopt me as a son, if I'm to agree with God that he knew me from the foundations of the earth and he still chose me, he knew me, and, he, and that's, that's a phenomenal miracle right there. God's still a God of miracles, right? So if he chose you, then in agreeing with God, you set yourself apart unto him. God set you apart. God sanctified you. God called you his own. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11 says, You were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. So if God set you apart, then you decide in agreeing with him, I'm going to set me apart unto God. I don't belong to this world. I remember uh, in the early days when when Julia was uh, graduating from high school and going to college, and she had that beautiful voice, and her voice teacher had worked with her for, uh, for four years, and, and he pleaded with her. Uh, he wanted her actually to uh, leave California and go to the East Coast and get into opera because she just has the, this ability, and vocally, vocal ability. And she got a scholarship to uh, the music department in, in uh, Fresno State, and, and she started there in music, and, and she was going to go through music. And she went, and she turned that scholarship back in, and her words were this. God gave me the gift that he gave me. He didn't give it to me for the world. And she just felt this challenge in her heart that God was calling her in a direction that her teacher came to me with tears in his eyes. And he said, it's going to be a shame if the world doesn't hear this and doesn't receive this deposit that's in her. And she said, this deposit that's in me belongs to God. It's not for the world. And she allowed God to route her in a different direction and allowed the other graces and the other gifts that are in her life to arise within her life. And she was so bold to go in there and she said, here's your scholarship money back. I have to do something else. This is not for me. When God sets you apart, you have the responsibility then to set yourself aside unto him. Make yourself available for the work of God in you. Leviticus 20, 7 and 8, we have a picture in the Old Testament, the act of setting yourself apart unto God because he has already set you apart for his purifying work and for his eternal purposes. The words sanctify and make holy. 
God said to them, okay, you sanctify yourself. And in the New Testament, because we're sanctified under Christ, we don't sanctify ourselves through ceremonial washings, but we agree with God that if he sanctified me and set me apart, then I'm going to be sanctified and set apart. There's just some things that are not going to be a part of my life, and there's some attitudes and some some ways of thinking that, that I'm going to let go of because I've been set apart unto God, and I'm going to reflect that in my life. So sanctify and make holy are the same in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the meaning is essentially to be set apart unto God. And you know what? We make all these excuses in the world for why we can't do these things and why we can't fulfill God's purpose and why we can't accomplish the plan of God. We've got this responsibility and we've got that responsibility and we have to go to work and we've got our career and we've got the life that we're living and we've got our family and all these responsibilities and and all of these things that, that tend to run our life and our life gets ran for us. But you know what? God set it up this way. He said, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. He knew that you were going to be investing your life in several directions and vocationally and and, and all of that. But the the wonderful thing is the promise of God and the purpose of God happens. If you read in the New Testament, if you see what happened in the life of Jesus, the, the fullness of God happens on the way. You just live your life and it happens on the way. He flows through you as you go, as you move. And he pours through you, and he pours out to others. And the purposes of God are fulfilled in you. You just have to agree with him and set yourself apart. You have to say to the Lord, what is in me that needs to be out of me? What is, what is broken that needs to be whole? What needs to be reshaped? How, what do I need to do so that I look like you and sound like you and walk like you and talk like you? What do I need to do to be made right in these areas? What, what, are, what are the areas that I have held for myself that I need to just submit to you? Set yourself apart. Galatians 2 and 20 says it this way, I have been crucified with Christ. So it is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, Lord, how is it that I am perhaps selfishly living my own choices and my own decisions and my own life whenever in reality it is the life of God that needs to live through me? You know what? If you'll have the conversation with him, he'll have it with you. He will talk to you. Oh, pastor, I've never heard the Lord speak. All you have to do is sit down with your Bible and a good old tablet and ask him. And the moment that the thoughts that begin to flow through your mind from the Holy Spirit, you'll talk yourself out of them if you don't write them down. Just write them down. And let him speak. He'll answer you. He'll answer you. He's delighted to answer you. So you agree with God, and then you set yourself apart. Go ahead. And then I'm just going to challenge you. The word says from there, you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord. 
oh, I wish it all happened suddenly. How come God is not into the microwave experience? There are some suddenlies in God, but the majority of the things that God do, it, don't be waiting on this big moment in God that causes you to miss the process that you're in. We're waiting for God to do some great move whenever he's moving. And we need to be in the move with him. Get in the flow of what he's doing. Don't wait. Don't sit down and wait. Okay, God, we're just waiting on you to move. Don't miss what he's doing on the way in your life in all simplicity. It's not complicated. So 2 Peter 3, 17 18 says, be on guard so that you're not carried away by the errors of wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Just be on guard. Get your feet planted. Guard your heart. Let your root go down deep. Grow in grace. It says, rather you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, so how do you do that? Hebrews 13 and 9 says, don't be carried around by every, with every various strange doctrine, every wind that blows. You wouldn't be carried around by everything that comes along, all the, every new thing that happens. Listen, God is establishing your feet so that you are not easily moved. For it is good that the heart be established by grace. The strength of God establishes your heart establishes you in your relationship with him so that you are not easily knocked down when life throws its troubles at you. And life's going to throw you one or two or three or four or more. I just love that Jesus was so profound when he said, in this life you will have trouble, but do not fear. I've overcome. If I've overcome, you're going to overcome. Don't fear. Just keep walking. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God, where we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 4.14 says that we should no longer be tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things who is the head, Christ. It is a desire of God to establish you today that your feet would be so rooted and grounded in him that you would not be easily shaken. You say to the Lord, I agree with you. I set myself apart unto you. And now I'm going to stay the course and I'm going to grow in you. In your word and in knowledge. And then from there, you trust fully. Listen to me, saints of God. You trust fully in the work of Christ. 
Sometimes, sometimes we, we trust in the Lord uh, for, our, for our salvation, but we, we don't put that same level of trust in him for our development and for our growth and for our maturity. You must trust fully in the work of Christ. You must trust fully in the promise of God. He who knew no sin, Second uh, Corinthians says, became sin for us so that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's wonderful that you are never going to be one moment more righteous than you are today. You're never going to be more right with God than you are in this moment. So the Lord says, I've made you righteous. So live righteously. So walk righteously. Draw nigh to me. He became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, not of your own effort, so that no one can boast. I'm right with God, and I did nothing to be right with God, except agree with him except receive his promise. All I did was said yes. All you did was said yes. You didn't do anything to deserve it. Somebody say, praise God, you didn't do anything to deserve it. You didn't do anything to earn it. There's nothing you can do to keep it. You can't work to keep it. The Bible says that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone would boast. We are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. You just submit to the Lord. Give yourself wholly to him. It is his shaping. Not your work. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him... You also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. I'm telling you, that's a better guarantee than what you got on your car when you bought it. Everything in this world is deteriorating, but that guarantee is not going away. He's the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. I want you to say to the Lord this morning, I agree with you. I agree with what you've said about me. I want you to say, Lord, I set myself apart. I'm yours. And wherever I haven't been yours and wherever I haven't been submitted, I submit myself to you. I will fully trust in the work of Christ. Even when I make mistakes, even when I stumble, even when I make poor decisions, even when I, I fall apart, even when I feel broken, even when I uh, feel ashamed, even when I feel uh, hurt, even when I feel lost, Lord, I will, I trust in you. I don't trust in the work of my own hands. I don't trust in the thoughts of my own heart.
I trust fully in what your word has said. I, f I trust fully in the promises that you have made over me.